Welcome to Once Upon a Disney, an analytical yet fun-loving look at Disney narrative filmography from the 20th century. I'm Andy Redwine, and with me as always is my co-host and fellow Jungle VIP, Larry Brenner. How are you, Larry? I'm good, Andy, and I want to be like you, ooh, ooh. Oh, do you really? Okay, well, today we're setting our time machine to 1967 to talk about one of Disney's biggest animated feature hits, The Jungle Book. Yeah, The Jungle Book is a, a huge part. I went to see this in the theaters, not not obviously the first time, but subsequent times. Uh, Jungle Book is one of those that really stays with people, and I know we've got a lot of fans of The Jungle Book listening. They've been waiting for this oh, we, one. Oh, yeah, they have. So some key facts to set the stage. The Jungle Book came out 30 years after Walt Disney's first animated feature, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Uh, the movie was released 10 months after the death of Walt Disney, and it is the last animated feature whose production Disney was personally involved in. So um, the movie's loosely based on The Jungle Book by Rudyard Kipling from 1894, and those stories were first published in magazines in serial form. Um, I found it interesting that Kipling was really good friends with the founder of the Cub Scout movement, Robert Baden-Powell. And a lot of Cub Scouts would know names like Akila, the wolf who allows Mowgli to join the wolf pack, and Baloo. Uh, in Cub Scouts, Baloo stands for Basic Adult Leader Outdoor Orientation. So it's not surprising that during the 1960s, when Boy Scouting saw its greatest growth uh, with uh, Boomer Kids, uh, Disney decided to do an adaptation of The Jungle Book and include a lot of the themes about learning from various animals in the forest. And this decision pays off as The Jungle Book becomes the second highest grossing animated film in the U.S. and Canada uh, at the time. And this movie to date has brought in a whopping $378 million worldwide, which is not a bad return for a $4 million budget. Wow. Wow, I didn't I realize it was quite that big. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a huge movie in France and Germany. It's like top animated. So it's it's a really big European film as well. And I just want to add one key fact for those of you who watch Disney animated TV series. There were two, two TV series that were based on this property, if not directly descended from it. Uh, the first one is the more famous of the two, 1990s Tailspin which reimagines Baloo as an airplane pilot and Sher Khan as a CEO of a mega company and Louie as his friend uh, who runs the Tiki Bar. It also pairs him with a young bear named Kit Cloudkicker. And, and probably most of, most of our older audience remembers that from the Disney afternoon of the 1990s. The second series uh, I had never seen or heard of before I looked into this was called Jungle Cubs, from 1996, which took all of the animal characters from, from this TV series and made them all kids in sort of a Muppet Babies kind of way. Yes. I have not... I remember this. Do you remember it? I do not. I do. I remember babysitting um, for a little girl who was really into Jungle Cubs. I, so I, yeah. I have seen about 45 seconds of an episode, and I felt like that was enough for me. But Tailspin... <laughs> Tailspin is a big is a big deal among uh, Disney Afternoon fans, and I know we've got some Tailspin fans too. Awesome, awesome. So should we start? Well, let's dive right in, Larry. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's do let's it. Let's start as we always do with the Mushtana. Can we talk a little bit about the Mushtana today? We haven't talked about what it is in a while, and maybe some of our new listeners might be a little confused. Absolutely. So uh, the Mushtana is how how the uh, the Jewish people. Uh, like myself, begin the four questions of Passover. We start by asking, why is this night different from all other nights? And when we apply it to a movie, what we're asking is, why are we starting this movie at the place we started it? What is special about this particular moment in the lives of our characters and our protagonists that this is the place where we're letting the audience in? Sometimes we're talking about Manishtana Probably the more technical term here is point of attack. Why, why we've right. chosen to start the movie at this particular spot, but I prefer to say Manashtana because it it allows us to be a little more mystical in our approach to, to to storytelling. I think so. Right. So why does the movie start where it starts? Do you have any ideas? Well, I have. I have a couple. Okay. Well, I mean, for me, the the big thing is the disruption to the jungle 
is going to be the introduction of Mowgli in, in of Mowgli as a surrogate for man into the jungle. Like that is the thing right. that is unusual, and we get there almost immediately. Uh, more baffling to me, I have a question about the Manish to not not that is the right moment. We have to introduce here's a here's a man cub. Uh, Right. But my my confusion is exactly how we choose to do it. What do you think, Andy? Well, you have a human baby that Bagheera finds. Um, and is it wreckage or is he abandoned? I can't really tell. I can't tell either. Uh, I think it, I mean, the, the, the scenery around it makes it look like maybe there was some sort of accident. And maybe the baby was left. I don't know. But um, some people say it was abandoned. I kind of think it was a, an accident maybe. Um, but he is discovered by... Bagheera, who's serving as our narrator, and it's clear the baby needs to be cared for, and Bagheera chooses wolves. So we know how the baby got into, we need to know how a boy got into the jungle to be raised by wolves to begin with, if our story is, we got to get him out of the jungle. Right. Right. And and it's important, and I, and I think probably it is the right point of attack, and since we're not going to be playing up in this movie the mystery of how did Mowgli get there... Uh, I, I mean, I could see a version that's similar to Tarzan, where we where we actually do get the sense of what happened to Tarzan's parents and why why he is right. he's been transported to the jungle. There's no mystery that we're trying to solve here, so I th- I think it's fine. The baffling part for me about the Manish Tana is why we have narration at the beginning of it from Bagheera, because I do think that we could get everything we need to know from the visuals here. Bagheera sees a man cub, he he sees it, his expression softens, he picks it up with his teeth, he brings it to the wolves, and the wolves adopt. Uh, all we get from Bagheera doing narration is the sense that these events happened in the past, he's telling it as a story, and he says one thing that really bothers me, which is, if I had known how how much I was going to get entangled into the life of this man cub, Maybe I would not have gotten involved at all. And I'm like, mm. oof, oof, Bagheera. Bagheera, this is probably the best thing you've ever done in your life. In your whole life. That's right. I mean, that's right. Ignoring your animal instincts to care for this child, to, to make sure that this child that you've found gets cared for, is it makes me want to like you. And yet you undercut it with like saying, yeah, wish I hadn't done that. Oof. Oh, it hurts. Right. So, so the narration, um, and it does. The narration doesn't carry through the entire movie. I mean, it does. You don't have moments where Bagheera narrates this part and he narrates this part. All of a sudden, the narration sort of goes away. And I think if you're going to use that device, you need to carry it through. Um, we had a similar problem. Otherwise, it's just with 101. With, with 101 Dalmatians, I was just getting ready to say that um, with Pongo, right? So we we. Um, and I get why Disney's doing it. Like I get their kind of, here's the story and we're, we're settling into this story and this tale. Um, and I think for the time it was probably, uh, conventional. I don't think it works now. No, no. I, so if you're getting, I, I read a lot of scripts sometimes and there's narration and, and people try to narrate the exposition and I'm like, oh, you don't need this. Just show me. Just show us. Just show me what it is. Just show me instead of telling me what you're trying to tell me. Oh. And I think you're right. I think you if you turn down the sound, um, it works. You know what's going on. Yeah. There's a baby. He finds it. He takes it to wolves. They love it. Um, she wants to keep it. The, the father's not really sure. And I think it totally works without the narration, we, we for sure. We constantly praise you and I the moments in Disney where they just trust in the animation to tell the story. We feel that way in Bambi, <laughs> because Bambi doesn't have a voice for, for a significant part of the movie. 100%. But we know who Bambi is even without it. We'll, we will, when we talk about Dumbo, feel the same way. Uh, you, you, oh, can yeah. do, you can do so much. Show off your animation chops. This feels like I'm afraid to let the animating do, do the storytelling. And if you really need exposition help, I mean, you've got the Sherman brothers and they're pretty good songwriters. Do it so, as a song. you know, do it as a song. And that's exactly what happens in a number of the very early Disney movies. Well, let's let's go on to structure and plot a little bit. Sure. We talked a little bit about exposition. There's lots of talk about Sher Khan, but we never really see him. And it's like, who's this Sher Khan? We know he's a tiger. We know he's after Mowgli, but it doesn't. I don't 
feel this imminent need to get him out of we haven't seen him so so there's the danger is lurking maybe um we see but we don't see him yeah no no i i i think you're right they're planting that in the exposition so the exposition uh just to fill in the audience on the plot if they haven't seen this in a while uh so we talked about you know Bagheera bringing uh, Mowgli to the wolves. Mowgli grows up with the wolves, thinks of them as brothers and sisters. Uh, uh, the, the, the animal, the wolf parents are his parents. But we get to this council where they talk about how Shere Khan is in the forest and will stop at nothing to kill Mowgli because Mowgli is a man and Shere Khan hates men. And that all of that is exposition. Uh, it t- shows us what life has been like. And arguably, Brings us right to the inciting incident, but it's a tell, not a show. Shere Khan is coming for Mowgli, and therefore things have to change. And Shere Khan's coming for Mowgli for probably a good reason. He's a, he's going to grow up to be a hunter with a gun. He's going to grow up to be someone who hurts tigers. And so Shere Khan's kind of looking out for himself, maybe. And- I mean, that's what we get from the beginning, we're not really sure now. When we meet Shere Khan, we're like, okay, maybe he needs to go. But like, he's kind of he's kind of awful. But yeah, I mean, it's listener Andy. You, you don't know this because this is not visual medium. But Andy is wearing her Shere Khan was right T-shirt today. <laughs> uh, I didn't understand not. why. Lies. It is lies. lies. It is a lie. Lies. I'm a liar. But no, I mean, I mean, certainly Shere Khan's concern is that a man cub will one day use guns and fire against him. And while Mowgli doesn't use guns against him, he does, in fact, bring the fire towards the end. So, so Shere Khan, you're right. Shere Khan isn't wrong about that. That there is a potential danger to to Shere Khan from Mowgli. Although, in a in dramatic irony terms, Shere Khan met creates this danger out of Mowgli. He turns Mowgli into an enemy. But right. but so we're focusing on that as the inciting incident because that's, that's what causes things to have to change. When we're talking rising action, we're talking everything that happens after the inciting incident leading up to the, to the big climax. And I will point out that we have a lot of uh, episodic uh, moments leading up to the climax. So, Bakira and Mowgli go to travel to the village. Uh, they meet the elephant patrol, the dawn patrol. They meet, they have an encounter with Ka the python. They meet up with Baloo. Uh, Baloo adopts Mowgli, but then uh, the monkeys working for Louie kidnap Mowgli. They try to rescue Mowgli. Uh, this this continues. We we keep getting episode after episode. Where would you say this movie reaches its climax? And the climax is the place where we would say things are at their most tense, uh, where the forces of good fight with the forces of evil. Well, I I really wrestled with this, Larry, and I was thinking about it quite a bit. So Mowgli doesn't want to go back to the man village. Um, and that decision on his part is dangerous for him. Yes. Um, because Ka tries to you know, hypnotize him and eat him, and then the monkeys kidnap him in an attempt to give them uh, the power of fire. And then Shere Khan, there's an encounter where the power of that fire is used, but it kind of comes out of nowhere. So there's also this kind of weather, and he's exposed to the elements. So it's not a, not the best choice for him. So the climax, I got three candidates. Cool. I have two, but I think I know your third. Okay. So we're good. Let's do them. Okay. Okay. So the battle with Shere Khan is probably the most exciting part of the movie. Agreed. Um, that, I think, is this. Is Shere Khan going to... It answers a dramatic question. Is Shere Khan going to eat Mowgli? And, of course, the answer is no, right? Um, then the second one that I have is when Mowgli thinks Baloo has died. Um, and it sort of, but it doesn't really answer a dramatic question, but it is the saddest moment. It is the, oh my gosh, he really, if, if, if he stays here, who's going to take care of him? Not Bagheera. Bagheera was ready to drop him off at the, you know, at the closest man village, but Baloo is different. And so when Baloo dies, that feels like a climax to me. Um, we can talk about that for a minute if you no, want. No, I do. I do want to talk about that. Um, so so there is a meal here that is being missed. That your that, that second answer you gave me about Baloo, 
is an amazing answer. It is. So from the perspective of the movie makers, I think they're thinking the Shere Khan issue, the Shere Khan fight is the climax. And as the movie is structured, it's right. But what you're positing is a far better climax for the movie. Because early in the movie, there has been a rift between Baloo and Mowgli. It is the scene in this movie that makes me almost cry. I got mi- When I say almost cry, I mean my eyes got wet. I just didn't let the tears come out. When Baloo's heart is broken, but is telling yeah. Mowgli, from Mowgli's own good, Mowgli has to go to the village, and Mowgli says, I don't love you anymore. He doesn't say that, but he storms off, and Baloo is like, I, I was just trying to do right by you, kid. For, for me, the, the question from that point on is, can Baloo and Mowgli's relationship be healed? And then when we get to Baloo being uh, being seemingly dead, having defended and protected Mowgli, that feels like the answer to this. The relationship is healed, but they don't go far enough with it, Andy. And it's not that I want Baloo to stay dead. I love Baloo. I, I cheer sure. when Baloo opens up his eyes. I don't think it would be a better movie for Baloo being forever dead. Oh, it's fantastic. And it's fantastic how he's being eulogized, but he opens his eyes and says, Yes. Know, I wish my mother could hear Yes. This. No, I love it. <laughs> but here, here is where the opportunity is missed. Mowgli throughout this movie has been saying, But I don't want to go back to the Indian village. I don't want to, I don't want to go there. I want to stay in the jungle, which is what I've always known. And I don't right. condemn him for this. He's 10 years old. 10 year olds don't right. always know what's best for them. If he right. could have the moment of realization here, because it's always been about his risk. He's like, I'm willing to risk living in the jungle, even though it's been repeatedly shown I will die here unprotected. I don't think it's ever occurred to Mowgli that for him to live in the jungle, his guardians might have to sacrifice their lives for him to stay. Right. And if he's right. suddenly connected, that if he stays in the jungle, he's going to require more protectors. They're going to love him and they're going to die protecting him. It would give him that moment to realize, not only can I not stay in the jungle because I'll die, but if I stay here, the people I love will will be in danger because of me. And if if the movie just did that, that, that's the missed opportunity. If the movie just did that, then we would see Mowgli transform. And I Mm -hmm. I think we could call that the climax, and I think it's a better climax. We just don't have it. Yeah, agree. Um, the I agree with all of that. The third climax idea that I had was, you know, the village girl drops. It's like, okay, well, he's going to stay now. I think Baloo believes it. I think Mowgli believes it. You know, he's on his he's on his bare shoulders, and all of a sudden, this village girl starts singing and batting her eyes at Mowgli. And Mowgli doesn't even say goodbye to his friends. He just leaves. He shrugs like flower shrugs. Uh, in, exactly. In it's like that. 100%. He's Twitter pated. What's he going to do? Yes. Yeah. I mean, you're, he's, he's powerless. And so. It's, it's a dramatic uh, and, question, but it doesn't get answered by Mowgli making a choice. It, the choice is almost made for Mowgli. His heart pulls him in one direction and without thinking, he instinctively knows where he needs to go. You're right. This could right. be a climax too. I just, I don't think the movie was thinking about it in that way. Right, and you could turn right. the I, I I wish that one of those moments was the climax, because it really is not about Mowgli and Shere Khan. They meet at their climax they've never met before. Right. So he's not been wrestling Mowgli's not been wrestling with Shere Khan this whole time. The people that have been wrestling this whole time are Baloo and Bagheera. Yes. They're the ones that are, who have been, and I say people, but the animals, the characters that have been wrestling this whole time, right? So um But the thing I I keep coming back to with that climax is this, like if we have had a death in the Disney family, sure, right? When this movie has been, Walt Disney has died. And so the fact that he's being eulogized and then all of a sudden Baloo perks up and says, no, I'm not really dead. Um, There is this kind of moment where it's like, no, this is going to happen. This is going to continue. We're not quite sure how, but it's going to go. And then Mowgli leaves and doesn't say goodbye. It's like, okay, we're 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 just going to go on because kids may not even notice that that 
kids may not even notice that Disney's dead, right? But the but some people are going. Oh, to I love notice. that. I I hope that that's yeah. I mean, I never really thought about it. That's that's a great insight. Um, but but yeah, I love the idea that Baloo they're eulogizing Walt, but then the spirit of playfulness that that Walt has always had. Uh, well, can never be extinguished, and it's time to go back yes. to thing in the bare necessities again. Right, because we never really die so long as we make an impact on other humans, and certainly Walt Disney did that. Oh, I, so I, that's just something I keep thinking about in, in, in terms of the climax. That feels like the sort of thing that if someone was talking about something I wrote, I would be like, yes, absolutely, I intended to do that because <laughs> it's so smart. But then maybe secretly right. I'd be like, maybe subconsciously I was doing that. But I don't know that I was. But but Andy, I love it. I love it, love it, love it. Well, even if even if Disney knew that he was ill while he was making this movie, I mean, he could very well be imprinting his own. This could be a Disney. You know, I wasn't in the writer's room. I don't know. Right. But this could be a, um, yeah, we need this moment. We need him to die. We need him to die trying. Yeah. And, and, and Baloo dies with his boots on. He gets smacked by a tiger. And for the most noblest of reasons, protecting children. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Love it. Yep, yep. Love it. Love it. So falling action and resolution, we have Mowgli's jungle friends who just sort of conclude <laughs> that his departure was inevitable and Baloo resigns himself. And, and Bakira starts needs. dancing too. <laughs> he does. Get, gets up on and his hind legs for the first time, I think, in the movie and they like bop away. Right, right. And so everybody needs to get back to the Bare necessities where they belong. And interestingly, at the very end of this movie, we see it, it's a still frame, but we see a sunset. Yeah. And the colors change and the colors change until they, and man, I, yeah, I keep wondering what it must have been like to make this movie um, and finish it up and get it out the door uh, 10 months after your hero has, has, uh, has left the, left the building. It's hard. It is hard. Yeah. Uh, but fortunately, we end on a song, uh, and yes. and there's some there's some really great music uh, in the Jungle Book. There really is, and man, is it sticky! You were talking about "Want to Be Like You." I mean, that is a song that sticks in my head all of the time, and you hear it at Disney World if you go. You hear it all; the, it's just there, and everybody <laughs> bucks to it when it when it plays during yeah. like the the Main Street Parade at the end of or the fireworks at the end of the night when they do "I Want to Be Like You." I mean, this is a song from 1967. The Jungle Book is not super represented in Disney World, but in that moment, it's there, and it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, what other songs sure. do you like? So I like Trust in Me, and I looked it up um, with Ka singing it because I think it's so silly, mm-hmm. um, because why would you ever trust in Ka for any reason at all? Um, but it was originally a song that was written for Mary Poppins that wasn't used, and um, which I thought was really interesting. And so... Yeah, they kind of revamped that and turned it into Ka being a little hypnotic. A bare necessities for me. Uh, I I don't know how anyone doesn't love the bare necessities. Oh, it's great. It's, it's super fun. And it's a great way to introduce the character of Baloo. Uh, I want to talk about two two other things here in terms of music. Uh, some of the songs don't really stick. I I could not tell you, and I watched the movie again last night. The words to the Dawn Patrol song i i can kind of get the beat going but like uh but i would literally be making up words if i tried to sing it right right uh, so so that that song doesn't really stick for me there's the vultures song and that's one of the things i wanted to talk about because i think this is a rare miss uh in the jungle book so oh yeah well uh so we meet the vultures and they sing that we're at a low point in the movie Energy-wise, Mowgli and Baloo have just had a falling out, and Mowgli is in the pit of despair. And he's actually gone to the place in the jungle where there's the most despair, where there is no life, where the scavengers are waiting to feed on corpses. It's a dark moment for the movie. <laughs> the vultures decide to cheer him up with a song, which I think is great. We, it's one of it's one of those rare moments where we completely reinvent what we think of an animal, right? Like like the uh-huh, monkeys act right. like monkeys. And, and Bakira acts like a panther, and Ka is certainly serpent-like. But the vultures are just a great bunch of guys. Like, they tease him a little bit, and then they feel bad about it, and they decide to make friends with him. They're, they're lovely. But they sing right. this barbershop quartet song, which is 
not rousing. It's it's beautifully mm. sung. It's beautifully sung, but the energy doesn't have there. And I'm going to post this on our Facebook page. It is not the original song that they intended to use. Now, if you go to our Facebook fan page, you'll see that I'm a big fan of like looking at deleted songs. But 99.9% of the time, I'm like, right decision to change the song. They needed to go. They needed to go. (laughs) I will posit the original version of this song, which has them singing a Beatles version of That's What Friends Are For, which, which has much more of an upbeat, and like they're dancing, like they're dancing around, and it's like a little bit rock and roll. And this is 1967. The Beatles are a big deal. In fact, they're kind of a big the, deal. Yeah, <laughs> the Beatles were were asked to voice the Vultures, and oh, they, really? they turned it down. Um, they, uh-huh. they were bigger than Disney. Uh, <laughs> but but energy wise, I feel like that would get us out of the pit of despair moment. And I'm just not sure that this barbershop quartet thing does it. And my proof of this, Andy, will be no one in Disney World walks around singing the uh, That's What Friends Are For song. There's one other song thing I want to talk about, and it's subtle and it's brilliant. And you could watch the movie maybe a hundred times and never notice it. I noticed it for the first time this viewing round. Oh. So the the song at the end, you know, about that the the little girl sings, which is I Must Fetch the Water. Every, mm-hmm. it, it, I like that song. I, I sing it. Uh, it. It sticks. It doesn't stick for long for me. Like uh, in a few days, I won't be singing it like I will The Bare Necessities. But strains of that song get heard earlier in the movie. Every time Bagheera talks about the human village, you hear in the background, Uh, every time he talks about it. And it has this effect, if you know what's coming at the end of the movie, that we're getting a sense that even now, she's summoning Mowgli to the village. Mowgli Mm. can't hear the strains yet. But the siren's call, the need for him to go there, it's it's getting louder and louder throughout the movie. And Mowgli must go there. It's his destiny. And it's so subtle and so smart. I I, I like I, I I like tip my hat. That is some brilliant use of music. Love it. Scores scores life, right? Yeah. <laughs> Score is the life of your movie. Okay, well, let's talk about characters. Um, overall, I'm going to say that the performance of these characters really carry the movie, especially when it comes to getting laughs. Um, but the animation is particularly fantastic in this movie. Um, I, I'm thinking of the scene where Bagheera is trying to get um, Mowgli to climb a tree. And he says, I don't have any claws. And he shoves him up and you can see, uh, you know, him stepping on him and stepping in his mouth and you know it's just this great action sequence and of course Sebastian Cabot's voicing ugh and ugh and he's irritated and and every parent has had the moment where you know they're forced to carry their child crawling yes or they call it crawling on your head or your you know whatever um so yeah it's really realistic and and pretty amazing um, should we? Which character should we talk about first? I. It's so hard for me, and we'll talk about why when we get to protagonist problems. I, I kind of mm-hmm. feel like this movie begins with Mowgli and Bagheera, so we should start with Mowgli and Bagheera. Uh, okay. Uh, so maybe Mowgli. Yeah, let's talk about Mowgli. Uh, Bruce Reitherman, who is um, uh, Wolfgang Reitherman's son, who's also the voice of Christopher Robin, um, is you know, the man cub who has no desire to leave the forest. Uh, even though he's coming of age, yeah. right? Oh, he's ten. He's ten. Um, I, I, yeah, puberty has not quite hit yet. I think we see no. the moment where puberty hits, but but uh, later on in the movie, uh, but but yeah. it's it's not there yet. He's still a little boy. He is still a man cub and not a man. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, so so as much as Mowgli is prominent in this movie, he is the equivalent to me, of the One Ring from Lord of the Rings. He's the object that's got to go from one place to another. He mm. never really accepts the quest to, to go to go here, go on a journey from one place to another. He never really accepts the call. He is constantly rejecting this call. Mm-hmm. I don't blame him for that. He's 10 years well, old. Well, he doesn't believe... 
Yeah, he doesn't believe he's going to grow up to be a man, right? And he keeps constantly claiming he's not afraid. I'm not afraid. And right? he's not afraid. I, I, no. Even when Cher Khan comes, I mean, the problem is maybe that Mowgli's not afraid. Because instinctually, he should be afraid of the things that could happen to him here. And it's it's the reason he, of all people, cannot be the one in the jungle. He doesn't know to be afraid. Right. So the, my my big. I mean, the animals are more afraid than he. They're is, afraid, right? they're afraid for, for him. him. Yes, but, but right, right. He he himself is not. And you know, the character that I'm always going to in my head be comparing Mowgli to is Tarzan, because we're going to have a Tarzan sure. movie uh, decades later. Uh, and well, and I think those it's I think it's a fair comparison because the Tarzan tropes in 1967 are huge, right? right? I mean the. Johnny Weissmuller films or something that kids have seen growing up. Uh, they were every Saturday. You can go see a Tarzan cartoon at the local theater or sorry, Tarzan movie at the local theater. So yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely, definitely on everybody's radar. And and when you put these movies side by, well, not these movies, but these stories side by side, I think there's a part of us in the audience that maybe understands like, well, no, you're just pushing him out too young. Let him grow up. He'll be Tarzan in a few years. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, but but I I mean, it's almost the question. It's almost the question of like, what if Tarzan didn't grow up in the jungle? What if he was what if the animals decided that he needed to grow up among his own kind? Right. I mean, Mowgli's got options right. having the village nearby and Tarzan doesn't have options or or, right. or the options presented in the book are are not good options for him. He, he won't survive there. But I want to throw out that. Mowgli uh, is the the big problem with Mowgli. I don't think is Mowgli. I think Mowgli is a ten year old kid who doesn't understand the decisions adults are making for him, but also that no one's really sat down with Mowgli and prepared him for it. Bakira takes Mowgli on this journey without telling him where he's going. He doesn't right. even let he doesn't let Mowgli sit with the. They've had ten years to to tell to get, prepare Mowgli. For one day, you're going to go back to your own kind at the man village. And no one has had this conversation. They don't let him say goodbye to his wolf brothers and sisters and his mom and dad. They're tricking him towards the village. At, at never, at right. no point do they really just sit down and sit and try to try to talk to him. And I feel like for me. Well, was it, surpri- was it surprising, though, that Sher Khan was coming back because that seems like a new thing. Like he's been gone. We thought he was gone and now he's back. So why would you have a conversation with Except it's, about it, something like that? The thing that Big Hira is right about in the movie is if Mowgli stays in the jungle, he's going to die. Big Hira says, I'm going to bring you up this tree because there you'll be safe. Big Hira mm-hmm. goes to sleep and utterly fails to protect Mowgli from Ka. Right? Ka, he's not safe up that tree. Bakira is actively trying to... It's not Shere Khan that's the problem. Baloo mm-hmm. adopts Mowgli, and then immediately Mowgli gets kidnapped by the monkeys. Baloo can't mm-hmm. keep him safe. The vultures right. adopt Mowgli into make one of their friends. Shere Khan comes. They, all, they can all fly away, mm-hmm. but Mowgli can't. It is clear, and it should have been clear from the beginning... That Mowgli will not survive in the jungle and prepare him for that, educate him. And of course, then we don't have a movie, Andy, because Mowgli right, knows. Right. But <laughs> but for me, this is this is a story about how, like, when you don't really talk to your children, you create rifts. Mm-hmm. Honest, open uh. communication and dialogue is one of those things you need to do when you're a parent. And I, I don't know that Fair enough. I don't know that the movie knows this, but but I feel it very. It's 1967. I'm coming at it from a, a 2021 perspective on parenting, but still, right. Well, I think it is a cautionary tale for sure, and I think you know it, it's not surprising that cub scouting is you know fathers imparting this kind of wisdom to their sons. Oh no. And at this time, and women really aren't involved in Cub Scouts at this point. They're den mothers when kids are little. But I think there is this sort of passing of the torch and scouting that happens. And I think we sort of see that need and uh, throughout this film and what people, you know, that each of these animals, either Bagheera or Baloo or the vultures, kind of give Mowgli what he needs to be a man 
even though they're not men themselves, right? Right. Uh, um, so we've been talking about Bagheera a lot. Um, his mission really is to get Mowgli to that man village, but his conflict is first with Mo is with Mowgli, who doesn't want to go, but it's also with Baloo, who is totally on Mowgli's side and makes makes the case that uh, they can stay right right where he is. Oh, okay. So Andy knows that this is coming, and I apologize because <laughs> I know of at least one listener who's going to get very upset with me, and I'm sorry to that listener. I hate Bagheera. Hate, hate, hate. Uh, I would if I could if I could fully express the amount that I hate Bagheera. This podcast would have to be rated R, because because there are words that would come out of my mouth that are not appropriate for a clean podcast. I hate Bagheera more than Owl, and I really hate Owl from Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> so here here is here is my list of grievances with Bagheera. Bagheera at the opening of the story, talks about how maybe he shouldn't have saved Mowgli. The thing that should make me like him, that he saved Mowgli, is the thing he regrets. That's telling. But even if we go further in the story, there are moments where I want to like Bagheera. Bagheera is the one who says, I will get Mowgli to the man village. Great. Except uh, he he says to the he says to Colonel Hadi, I promise you, I give you my word of honor. I will get Mowgli to the man village. Great. <laughs> Mowgli says, but I don't want to go. And understandably, at 10 years old, is resistant to this idea. And Bakira says, fine, you're on your own, kid. And he leaves. <laughs> and and I'm like, Bakira, you are the adult in this situation. You expect right. from Mowgli a level of understanding you have not prepared him for. And when it becomes hard, you leave. And he continually leaves. Baloo adopts Mowgli, and Bakira's like, fine, I'm leaving again. And and he does leave again. Baloo calls out for Bakira, and Bakira comes back and he's like, well, 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 I, I knew this wouldn't work. And and like comes back smug because he just he just wants to like get to say, I told you so, but the monkeys have stolen Mowgli, and, and, and Bakira doesn't realize that happened because Bakira left. Because he left Mowgli with Baloo. Bagheera keeps leaving. And he isn't even present when Baloo fights Shere Khan. I, I sit watching that whole scene and I'm thinking, where is Bagheera? Shouldn't Bagheera be doing something? Bagheera's like, so here's, oh, I, I hate here's, it. Here's a, th- here's a thought that I'm having. I always wondered why the wolves didn't take him to the, to the, the wolf pack didn't take him to the man village. They're the ones who know him best, and they're the ones who've protected him. And they're the you know, why don't they, you know, why do they all of a sudden say, oh, yeah, back here, you should do this. Oh, he'll come with me. It'll be fine. Um, and it's almost this, like back here has been forced into this foster parenting situation where he has to be this caretaker for Mowgli. And they've been pals, like, right? They've, they've seen each other, and he sees him, and he talks to him. That's a whole lot of different between talking to a kid and engaging them for an hour or two and 24-7 caregiving. So I think I get where Bagheera is a little resistant to some of this. So I, I have a little soft spot for Bagheera. I know you hate him, but I, I have a I loathe, I loathe him. <laughs> um, and and I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you, at the end of the movie, when Baloo is like, Mowgli, don't go to the village. And Bagheera is like, yes, yes, go to the village. I'm like... <laughs> You heartless, heartless monster. Baloo is right next to you. His heart is breaking. It's breaking right next to you. You feel nothing but glee that your duty is being discharged. We don't even see Bagheera feel sad that Mowgli's gone. But Bagheera looks like he just took out the trash and the garbage truck came and collected the garbage. And when Baloo is sitting there sad, Bagheera's just got this big smile on his face like, isn't this great, Baloo? I, but Bagheera- Well, there's some relief that the mission is accomplished, right? I mean, this is what he set out to do. And so this is the job. Give me a reversal that at the very end- Baloo is the one who's saying, no, little britches, you got to go into the village. And Bakira is the one going, Mowgli, don't go. Give me that. And I would sob. 
I would sob if all this time Bagheera has been pushing Mowgli to go to the village and it's Bagheera is the one whose heart is breaking. That I'm, I'm getting misty just thinking about that version, Andy. Bagheera's a monster. The, reverse, the reversal the reversal's needed, I think, to make Bagheera. But you're right. That one line in the beginning of if I'd known how awful it was going to be, I would never have done it. Um, I, you know, I, it's a, it almost feels like it's like a failed adoption or something. Like if I had known how hard this was going to be, I wouldn't do it. So you know? I'm going to throw um, the takeaway here is if you're telling a movie that has as its theme, fostering, parenting, mm-hmm. loving your child, starting with the, starting with the note, I should have let the baby <laughs> die is not the way to go. No, that's probably a good, probably a good move. Um, you mentioned Baloo. Um, he's the comic relief by the great comedian Phil Harris. Um, there, there's so much here in Baloo's character. Um, he is a Kuna Matata, right? Before a Kuna Matata. 100%. He and Timon and Pobo would get together fabulously. But I'm going to disagree with you about him being the comic relief. Although he is the comic oh. relief. I feel that's reductive. Baloo is the heart and soul of this movie. If When Baloo comes into this movie, everything changes for me, and this movie becomes real in a way in which it wasn't. When, when, when Mowgli is with the elephants, I'm like, okay, this scene could be three minutes. What, what are we doing here? Uh, but when Baloo comes in, it is the emergent, because Bakira is so cold, it is the emergence of love from the jungle. But Baloo is love. He absolutely falls in love with Mowgli. He's not pretending. He His mm. heart opens up, and it was not closed to begin with, but it opens up and Mowgli becomes his entire life and reason for being instantly. And the part mm. of the movie that does make me misty I said this earlier, is is Baloo realizing he can't keep Mowgli. His right. what we of the character whose heart breaks the most and repeatedly in this movie is Baloo. Because Baloo gives love freely. And mm-hmm. even though it's going to hurt him again and again, will never stop giving love. And I absolutely adore Baloo. Well, he's he's playful, right? And and he says things like, "We're good sparring partners." He sees Mowgli as sort of an equal. He's fun um, dad and, who wants to be a pal, yeah. and hasn't fully understood what it means to be a parent. But we watch right. him learn to be real dad. The play right. becomes and real. Think, and I think that some people would say that that Bakira learns how to be playful, and we see that in the last scene. Um, you know, it's kind of like you have the, they sort of meet in the middle, um, where Baloo just kind of doesn't plan anything. He believes whatever you need and whatever you, you know, whatever you, whatever you need comes and whatever you need to learn will come. And it's in complete defiance of what Bakira believes to be true. Yes. Bakira is like, there are rules there. You need to be with your own kind. There's a cut, you know, we've, we've done this long enough. It's time for you to do this. And in a way, Bagheera is pushing, uh, pushing Mowgli to be um, to be a man. Sure. More, more so than Baloo is. I, I right? can't help but feel, though, like as much as, as Mowgli does need to go back to, to the village, the idea of Bagheera and Baloo raising Mowgli together has some merit and, and could mm-hmm. conceivably work. They balance each other, right? Like right. They, if, they, if they worked together... Could they keep Mowgli safe enough to, so that Mowgli could grow up to be Tarzan and could actually live in the jungle? I think they could do it together. But separately, they can't. Mm, they can't. No. And they don't even consider that option. So, And and honestly, no. Baloo can do better. I wouldn't want Bakira to be my partner. No, that would be hard. Um so Ka Sterling Holloway. Yes. Um, what do we what who's you know the great Disney voice actor? What do we think about Ka? Uh, Ka is so interesting to me. There, there is the hypnosis part implies that there is a master of psychology uh, uh, mm-hmm. just 
underneath the depth of Ka, that Ka is seeing things and seeing other worlds. And if you've read the, the Jungle Book uh, book by, by Kipling, uh, there is this sense that Ka is, is in touch with a dark spirituality. And I think some of that comes out here. Uh, mm-hmm. That that being, it's definitely understated. It's definitely understated. It's definitely though, understated. Sure. And, and look, this is a kids. This is a kids movie. How, how much do sure. we? And Ka's not going to be around that much, right? Uh, but Ka, I think, more than Sher Khan does, represents the real reason Mowgli can't stay in the jungle. Sher right. Khan is the one hundred percent. Sher Khan is the obvious danger. It's the thing that Mowgli mm-hmm. pr- arguably knows to be on the lookout for. But Ka is the hidden danger, the subtle danger, the thing that that you might not even know was out to get you. The 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 the, the he he's more the darkness of the jungle than Shere Khan is. I think. I agree, and I think I think Bahira might look at Ka and Baloo in similar veins, thinking that they are the ones that are going to keep Mowgli from being his, you know, to grow up. I mean, he's going to eat you, and he's going to just let you, you know, loaf around and, and play all day. So there's kind of a duality there when, as, as Bagheera's working with, um, with those two creatures. And some people might argue, why do we get two Ka moments in this movie? Uh, because uh-huh. we've done Ka, it's been there, done that, we've seen the eyes thing, why are we doing it again? But the answer here is, at this point, Mowgli does know Ka is a threat, and even the forewarned knowledge of knowing Ka is a threat is not enough to keep Mowgli from being hypnotized the second time. Right? Right, right, he, right. He, he right. is not learning the things he needs to learn to survive in the jungle. No, he's not He's not learning the lessons he needs, for sure. Um, so Colonel Hathi and the elements, uh, elephants. So at first we meet them, and it almost seems like a non sequitur, right? Yes. Like, why are we meeting these people at all? But then it pays off when Bagheera enlists their aid to assist in rescuing Mowgli, so it, then it makes Although, sense. Although, do they actually and do they, that? I kept waiting for the elephants to show up because now they're on alert. So, and and they actually don't do anything in this movie. They don't chase off Shere Khan. They 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 offer to help. I, I don't even know that they helped Bagheera find Mowgli. They say they'll help, and then they disappear from the movie. Mm, mm. Was something cut? Something may have been. Yeah, cut. I feel it feels like something was cut there. Um, that's kind of that's kind of my thought. The um, best thing I can say about the Colonel Hadi and the Elephants thing is when they come in the second time with the Dawn Patrol song, like Shere Khan is about to make his move and all of a sudden you hear the elephant singing their song again and Shere Khan has to stop, mm-hmm. I laugh. I laugh. It's yeah, like, oh, these funny. guys again. Like, Shere Khan's like, what am I going to do? Attack like 15 elephants? Um, right. Like, that part makes me chuckle. But man, we spend a disproportionate amount of time with them, considering how little impact they they bear on the story. Right. All right. We have King Louis, uh, Louis Prima. Right. He wants fire, and he thinks kidnapping Mowgli is going to get it to him because um, he thinks Mowgli has that power. So this is a huge setup for the payoff of how it's almost it's a huge setup for the pow- payoff of how fire defeats Shere yes. Khan. Right. Uh, I, I think that's true. Uh, but what, what's really nice about Louis, as opposed to, say, Ka, is, is like Louis is almost the dark version of Baloo. Whereas, mm-hmm. where, where it's, Louis is like, if you really want to be in the jungle with absolutely no rules and no one telling you what to do, I'll allow it. I will indulge your every will. I will give you everything you think you want. Ooh, now now I'm thinking, is Ka the dark version of Bagheera? I think he is. I think he is. Because he wants you to follow rules and he wants you to do everything he says. Trust in me, believe what I say without asking questions. That's exactly what what Bagheera says. And Louis is the dark Mm -hmm. version of Baloo saying like, hey, this jungle can be a paradise for you. We can be right. buddies. We can. He's like, he's like, lay it on me, cuz, right? He's he's like constantly right, right, trying right. to, I'll give you a family. I'll give you love. I'll give you everything. You give me fire. Stuff your mouth full of bananas, right? Yeah. Oh, wow. That's that great. Is great. And then we have Shere Khan, who's egotistical, right? <laughs> so Shere Khan. And he's just, it, 
And it's weird because he doesn't even really seem to be all that interested in hunting and killing Mowgli until he overhears, you know, the conversation about hunting and killing Mowgli and then just makes that his People are going to get mad at me, but Shere Khan is a miss in this movie. You pointed out earlier in the exposition, they talk about Shere Khan in hushed tones. He's coming, Mm -hmm. and if he wants to kill Mowgli, no one can stop him. And for me, you're, you're setting up a real monster to emerge. Something savage from the jungle. Something merciless from the jungle. The monster. And then he's like coming in. He's like, so is it tea time? And he, <laughs> right. he's so casual and civilized in his tones. He's not savage at all. He's like, ah, right, oh, right. car, could I borrow you for a cup of sugar <laughs> and possibly a man cub if you have one? A man cub would really fit the bill right here. I think the way to do Shere Khan, Shere Khan never talks. He has no interest. He is fully a beast. Make him roar, yeah. make him scary, make him savage. Because I'm going to tell right. you... if you're going to... if. Yeah, if you're going to play with that mystical kind of, like, who is he, whatever, just keep him there. Unrelenting danger and evil. If you made him like uh, the, I think it's Zabor from Tar- Tarzan is the the name of the uh, the cheetah from the beginning who's hunting. Who, the, the the great cat that's that hunts baby Tarzan at the beginning of the Tarzan movie. Make Shere Khan right, like right. that hunting Mowgli. And that, that, for me, is what I want Shere Khan to be. Alternatively... Shere Khan needs to be unrelenting in his hatred of man to the point that, like, he is hunting this man cub because he is fiercely filled with hate. And when he meets Mowgli, he's not like, oh, my God, I've got this is the man cub I've been hunting. I've got to kill him. He's like, oh, nice to meet you. My name is Shere Khan. You must be that man cub I've heard so much about. Do tell me when I kill you. It's just like it's like. Make the relationship personal. Have Mowgli see, have have Shere Khan see Mowgli and suddenly flash back to a moment where he's being hunted by an adult version of Mowgli with a gun. And see, like, the anger happen. That this is vengeful, that this is pure hate and unreasoning. And Shere Khan is a miss. Shere Khan is a miss. I think I think it could be a buildup though, where it would be better. Like if 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 Bakira were to say something like, um, he's tricky and he's this and he's that and whatever. And then Mowgli says, I'm not afraid of that. I can handle this. And then we see him in the next minute where he's not able to handle that. I mean, that could be interesting. And then we meet Shere Khan, but there's no interaction. There's that the conflict in the story is not between Shere Khan and Mowgli. It's not. Right? No. It's not at all. I, I'll, the conflict is between Bagheera and Mowgli and Bagheera and Baloo. I, I 100% with you. And I'm going to throw out one more thing, which really bothers me. I don't okay. believe that the other animals couldn't kill Shere Khan. I have to think a dozen wolves against this tiger would do the job. I, ha- I don't understand. not willing to do it. I don't understand why Bagheera, who is a panther. Look, tigers are deadlier than panthers. But do I believe, like, I'm just mathing this out. Panther plus bear is probably greater than tiger. I I don't know. I, I'm not a zoologist. Uh, if we have zoologists listening to me, please let us know the science behind what happens when a bear and a panther decide to fight off a tiger. I'm really curious about this one. But for me, from the calculations I've done, I've got a spreadsheet. You can't see it. It seems to me the the math bears out one dead tiger and probably a wounded panther and a wounded bear, but but a living living happy healthy man cub. Fair enough. <laughs> God, I hope Let's we have a zoologist listening. That's right. Let's go on to protagonist problems. Sure, um, because we've got a couple. Um, we've kind of alluded to this already. Who do we think is the protagonist of this movie? Oh, boy, Andy. Uh, There are three answers for this. None of them are satisfying. Uh, So the three answers would arguably be Mowgli. And there's an argument to be made for Mowgli because obviously he's the one who necessitates this journey. There's no story without Mowgli. 
uh, Bagheera and Baloo. Mm -hmm. And Bagheera is a good answer because he starts our movie, he narrates our movie, he's on the journey mm -hmm. from the beginning. And yet, mm -hmm. my answer is going to be Baloo. And I hate my answer. I, I love Baloo. Mm. I hate Baloo as the answer. Because, but Baloo is my answer because of the characters. He is the one that grows and changes the most. And part of me thinks that maybe you just get rid of Bagheera and have Baloo be the one from the beginning go, oh, there's a man cub? You guys all know that man cub. I've never got to spend any time with him. I'll get him to the village. No problem. He likes me. I'm Baloo, or whatever. And it, the problem is Baloo comes too late in the movie to be the protagonist. But he is the heart and soul of this story. The Baloo-Mowgli relationship is the relationship I am the most invested in throughout. I love Baloo, and I love that Baloo loves Mowgli, and I love how Mowgli looks up at Baloo, and I love how both their hearts get broken, they come back together. I love how Baloo changes. How, how Mowgli changes. That's interesting. And, and so Baloo is my answer, and it's the wrong answer. It's the wrong answer, but he's well, my I answer. I think part of the problem, again, with this movie is something I've alluded to in a number of other Disney movies is that omniscient point of view that we see this movie yes. from. Um, I think, I think this, I think the protagonist of this movie is supposed to be Mowgli. I think it's absolutely supposed to be Mowgli. And, you know, in American movies, there's a shift uh, that happens in cinema where uh, kids are sort of initially fairly passive. They're sort of seen and not heard and their things happen to them, but they don't happen to the movie. Um, and then later, of course, they become like in today's Disney movies, they would become more active protagonists. Um, but that said, Bagheera orchestrates the entire inciting incident. Yes. He's the one who says, I will take him to the man village. This is my journey to be on. If it was his journey to be on, I think we would stay with him longer and we wouldn't leave him and he wouldn't leave the scene and he wouldn't say I'm leaving or he, if he did, he would pout for a minute, but then he'd look behind him, his shoulder and say, Oh God, what did I do when I left? Right. Um, his choices would impact the story more specifically. Um, and, and Mowgli in that case would be almost an antagonist where he would say, you know, I want to stay in the jungle. You wouldn't last one day. Right. Um, so and, of course, Baloo would be an antagonist of this movie, too, because he would be the biggest threat to keeping Bagheera from completing his mission. I just had a thought. If the sure. climax of this movie, which you and I disagree with, but I think is the climax of the movie, is the battle with Shere Khan, Bagheera's not mm. there. And if you're the protagonist, He's not. you have yes. to be at the climax. You can't go to the bathroom in the middle of the climax, Bagheera. Uh, but, but here's an interesting thought. <laughs> The thing that Mowgli could be a, could could make him the protagonist that he is the one who chases off Shere Khan with the fire. Right. If we had a moment where now Mowgli has fire, and when he's like, "Look, I did it," and he's got the fire, and both Baloo and Bagheera are afraid. Yes. Like that might also be something that would give Mowgli some protagonist journey here, and be like, "Oh, the thing that Shere Khan said I'd become." I've just become. Mm -hmm. I'm now the threat. I've got fire. Right? Well, I think that, yeah, and I think the climax, if the climax is, and the intentional climax is, here he is at the man village, and Bagheera's going, no, go, go, you do it, go, then that could be it, maybe. But yeah, I, I'm with you. Like, there's too many, there are too many protagonist irons in this fight. One last thing. <laughs> Bagheera does something that, if you're the protagonist, is inexcusable. And it's a small thing. He says to Baloo, you have to be the one to tell Mowgli he's got to go to the village. And Baloo right. basically says, but Bagheera, you tell him. And Bagheera says, he won't listen to me. It has to be you. That is Baloo. The protagonist is the one who has to do the work. Bakira's saying, I'm not willing to do the work. Baloo, you have to be the one to do it. It kind of does make Baloo the protagonist. The difficult decision yeah. is put on Baloo. Bakira never has a mm -hmm. difficult decision this whole movie. And Mowgli doesn't get any agency to make his own decisions. I think you're right. I think Baloo is, pro uh, Mowgli might be the antagonist because he's resisting the journey the entire time. 
And I think Bakira mm-hmm. starts off as our protagonist, but hands the baton off to Bal- it's too much. It's too much. It's like halfway in, it's like halfway in the movie, all of a sudden Baloo's more interesting, so we're going with him. He's got the better song and he's got the better whatever. Bakira has um, no song. Yeah. No. Mowgli has no song. song. Baloo uh-huh. is the only uh-huh. one with the song. With a with a uh-huh. Oh man, it's Baloo. Two songs. It's yeah. Baloo. Yeah. It just is. Yeah. Yeah. But he comes a little late for most He's parts, too late. You know. Too late. He needed to late. be there from the beginning. From the beginning, right? All right. Uh themes. Do we have some themes we want to talk about? Uh it's weird. I feel like this movie is nature versus nurture. And while 99% of movies will tell you nurture will win out over nature, Jungle Book is the one that's saying, nope, nature. You, you, <laughs> you, you have. Yeah, I mean. You are what you were born to be. No matter how hard you try to be something else, you'll never be it. You can't choose to be anything but what you are. You must be what you were born to be. Mowgli tries to be an elephant. He tries to be a bear. He tries to be a wolf. He tries to be a vulture. He's He can be none of those things. He has to be the thing he doesn't want to be, which is a man. Right. I hate um, that theme. So, I don't. <laughs> and, and even Louis. So, Louis is an expression of that theme. Louis wants to be a man. Yeah. He can't be. He's yeah. He's... He's he can't be. He's Simeon. What can you well, do? I, I would call I would call it more like freedom versus convention. So the convention says conventional wisdom says you have to be with your own kind. You have to do these things. Um, freedom says um, or you have to listen to your elders. You have to listen to the people in charge of you. And freedom says, nah, hakuna matata, bare necessities, take it easy, right? Um, and probably those things need to be in balance. You know, yeah. there, there needs to be, sure. you know, again, I think Bakira plus Baloo together are an amazing parent uh, where you've got there. Sometimes you have to listen to me and sometimes I'm going to give you freedom and, you know, n- navigating where you it's are. Good, it's, good, it's good cop, bad cop. Right. right? It's yeah. like like you need both. You need both. You need structure and freedom. I'll, I'll go with that. I like mm-hmm. that. OK. Pitch time. What do we do with this material? We've got the Jungle Book. We've got the Jungle Book 2. We've got the Jungle Book 2016. We've got live action. We've got the Disney Afternoon series. What in the world would we do with this franchise? I mean, it's so amazing, Andy, because they do so much world building in this movie that it's so ripe for more. They've introduced, like, Uh like the one thing you could say is if we've introduced the elephants and the vultures and all of this stuff, and most of them don't pay off, it does really feel like they're setting the stage for a larger story. That that it's ready for a sequel. And um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I want to see more elephants, right? So my pitch is, if we dig a little more into Kipling's The Jungle Book, there's the story of a father who tries to catch wild elephants. And his son learns about those elephants and he sees them dance uh, and he learns their wisdom. Oh, I love that. And I think I think it would be interesting if Mowgli grows up to be a bit of a capitalist <laughs> and his son lures him back into the forest to remind him of the wisdom of the jungle. Okay. And they see and see it through the elephant's point okay, of view. Okay, I like that. That's your that's your pitch? Yeah. That's my okay, pitch. Okay, my pitch was heavily influenced by the fact that I'm a Dungeons and Dragons guy way back way back. And then I'm a fan of the Disney Afternoon. So my pitch is, after the Jungle Book, we go back to the ruined temple, right? Where where, where Louis and the monkeys were. And in the ruins of the temple, at first, Louis is in despair. The temple that, that arguably gave him sort of a claim to, like, I have a civilization, has now been destroyed. But in the rubble, he finds a stone. And he grabs the stone and he makes a wish. He makes the wish that's always been in his heart, which is, I want to be a man. But the wish has an unexpected effect, and it transforms the entire jungle into the Tailspin universe. Baloo suddenly is wearing uh, a jacket and a hat and is now a a pilot. (laughs) I'm bridging the Jungle Book into Tailspin. Mm -hmm. But my twist here is, out in the village, they see that the jungle has suddenly changed. Uh, has maybe even become more civilized uh, and cosmopolitan than this village is. And the only part, like maybe Bakira escapes the jungle before it's too late and says, Mowgli, you've got to go back in because they've all lost themselves. Mowgli goes into the jungle and is 
When he walks in, he's suddenly transformed into a little brown bear named Kit Cloudkicker. His goal? To find Baloo and help Baloo remember who he always was so that they can go oh, wow. find Louie, find the stone, and bring the jungle back to the way it's supposed to be. You know who doesn't want this to happen? Share Khan, who Shere is Khan. loving being this CEO. Like, he has everything he ever wants, even though <coughs> it has made him the thing that he always hated. He has become a man, which he always hated. And that needs to be the yeah. thing that Shere Khan has to, has to come to grips with, is I am now the thing that I loathed. And I think... Oh wow! I, I I don't know that they would ever do this, but but it hits all the right buttons for those of us I think who like to roll our d twenties and and uh, find out what our initiative order is. So, well, it feels kind of animal farmish yes. too, right? I mean, it feels kind of like on that order. I like it. Awesome. I'm in. I'm all in. Cool. Well, what are we what are we doing next week? So next week is going to be a little tricky because I'm not, not tricky. I'll, I'll tell you the trick to it. We're doing kind of two things. We're going to start with Mickey and the Beanstalk from 1947. If you're looking for Mickey and the Beanstalk, there are several different versions of it. The one that's on Disney Plus is in the movie Fun and Fancy Free. Uh, it's the second half of the movie. I believe the first half of the movie tells the story of a circus uh, bear named Bongo. We're not talking about Bongo at all. We're going to go, we're going to go. And we may never talk about I, I have no intention of ever talking about Bongo, but you if you if we have Bongo lovers out there, hit us up. Uh, let us know that you <laughs> demand Bongo. But we're going to do Mickey and the Beanstalk. But but Andy had what I thought was a brilliant idea. The, let's contrast Mickey and the Beanstalk from 1947 with The Brave Little Tailor from 1938, which also features Mickey fighting a giant. Uh, and let, let's put the two of those things together and see what comes out the other side. That cartoon is also available on Disney Plus. Right, from 1938. So that would be, yeah, that I think is going to be an interesting look at character development. And this Mickey, this Mickey Mouse character, I know he's kind of a footnote in the history of Disney. Yeah. But he might be worth <laughs> one look, a, a brief glimpse one before look. we write him off and never talk about him again. Do we have any, I mean, we don't really have any early narrative, long animated features of Mickey The closest Mouse. we've had at this point would be, you know, I guess Fantasia at the point we would get to Mickey and the Beanstalk. Although maybe Mickey and the Beanstalk comes before Fantasia. I don't even remember. Mm. Uh, Brave Little Taylor comes before, but that's a short. Uh, fun and, No, Fantasia came before Fun and Fantasia. Yeah, so I think Sorcerer's almost, Apprentice almost is probably positive. the answer to that. And again... Also, but also a short, not not a long right. feature. So, Mickey and the Beanstalk is a good place to start talking about Mickey. I'm excited. Absolutely. Well, if you like what you're hearing, would you do us a favor and share this podcast with another Disney or classic movie fan? And as Larry mentioned earlier, you can check out our Once Upon a Disney Facebook page. Larry's going to put up that uh, deleted song from Jungle Book. And you can tweet us at, at Andy Redwine or at Larry Brenner 6. And thanks to you, those of you who are doing that. And you can also drop us a line in our mailbag at onceuponadisneypodcast at gmail.com. So until next time, friends, see you real soon. See you real soon.